Thank you so much. Well, Dr. Shetler is coming. Takes him a minute, but uh, he's on his way. And I enjoyed that message yesterday, didn't you? And thought about it throughout the afternoon and evening. And I'm looking forward to what God's going to add to my life today through the continuation of that message. So, Dr. Shetler, thank you for your preparation and now the preaching of God's Word. Genesis chapter 49. If I summed up yesterday's message, this is the way I would like to sum it up. Don't go home to be blessed. Go home to be a blessing. Basically, that's it, guys. The thing that Joseph was, Joseph never looked to be blessed. Wherever Joseph was, he was a blessing. He was fruitful in everything that he did. Don't you love that verse? Joseph is a fruitful bough. Even a fruitful bough. Everyone together, next three words. Oh, that was terrible. That was even worse than my classes. Even a fruitful bow, everyone together? Much better. By the way, gang, I'm telling you, that is the key. You get away from the well, the fruit stops. You get away from the well, and you dry up. There is no growth. There is no depth. There is no production in your life if you get away from the well. And we're going to, actually, the well's going to come back in again today. Whose branches run over the wall. Okay, so go home and get out of your comfort zone, man. Go home and do something you've never done before for the cause of Christ. If you're here this semester, don't sit in your little room, in your little wall, and you go, I got my new job, and I do my little thing. You know what? You get plugged into Lancaster Baptist Church. You get plugged into this community. This is where God's, you're in the middle of God's will, and God's will for your life for these five weeks was to be in Lancaster. So get over the wall, all right, and start being fruitful to other people. Be a blessing where wherever you go, wherever you work, the people you work with in this community. I don't know if you're working at Dillard's or Applebee's or Rite Aid or whatever. You go over the wall, and God's got you here for a reason for these five weeks, and you need to make sure that you're fruitful wherever you are. Get out of your comfort zone uh, as well, and and see that's go. What a verse. Now, Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll read this, uh, uh, this entire blessing that Jacob gave uh, to Joseph, and then we'll start with faithfulness uh, next. Father, I thank you for this passage of Scripture, and I pray it will be a blessing to us. I pray that, um, that this will be a fruitful student body. The reason why we have done everything, we just clap for Dr. Getch. Well, Dr. Getch could care less about applause What Dr. Getz would love as me, and most importantly you, would be that this student body would be fruitful this Christmas. That they would get out there and they would produce fruit. May every student here not look at this Christmas and how they're going to be blessed, but may they look at this Christmas and how they're going to be a blessing. And then, Lord, I pray today they'd learn what faithfulness is. They're just at the early part of their journey of life. And Father, faithfulness and dying to self, I just don't know what else there is in the Christian life. So may they be faithful to dying to self. And Father, I pray that they would understand the faithfulness of Joseph and his character needs to be in them. Then, Lord, as we close today by praying a prayer of favor and blessing upon this student body, I pray that you would give them favor.
as they live and as they stay separated, give them favor and give them the blessing. And I don't think that Jacob's blessing was just on his, his tenth son. I believe that we can claim this blessing for West Coast Baptist College students. And Lord, I do. This is my prayer for this student body, that they would be fruitful, that they would be faithful, and that they would be favored. So in Jesus' name, would you, the same blessing that Jacob gave to Joseph, may every one of these students experience on their furlough. We pray this in Jesus' name, and God's children said, let's look at number two, faithfulness. Now, we see something in this passage, um, and let me read it again. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow abode in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of thy father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb, everywhere, every place, every time. But then look at verse 30, uh, 26. The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors, my ancestors. Do you understand that he is saying Joseph has been blessed above Abraham, Isaac, and himself? That is an amazing statement. Unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills, they shall be on the head of Joseph, and on the crown of the head of him, that was separate from his brethren. Okay, let's look at faithfulness. Number two, faithfulness. There's three things I want you to see about faithfulness. How is it developed? Now, the longer I live, the more I believe there's really simply, I prayed it in my prayer, and I just want to share this with you. If you could sum up the Christian life, here's what I think it is. Faithfully dying to self. Guys, everything will be taken care of in your life if you learn how to die to self. Because if you, if you learn how to die to yourself and don't let the flesh lead, you're going to get the grace of God. You, you got to humble yourself to die to self. And then, but you know what? Sometimes we die to self. Yeah, I did that one time last week, Dr. Shetler. I died to self. Well, let me tell you, you got to be faithful to dying to self. You got to consistently die to self almost every hour of your life, every day of your life, and all of the time in your life, you got to learn how to die to self. Faithfulness is, I'm telling you, it's the key. Being faithful inside day in and day out. So you're going home for the holidays for five weeks. This is a great time to develop faithfulness without a dorm soup on you. It's a great time to develop faithfulness without the accountability of your roommates or the college or the dean's offices. Now it's going to have to be your faithfulness. We've kind of forced you into focus reports. We've kind of forced you into cleaning your room. But now it's you, man. And you go home for five weeks and you continue. And this is where the faithfulness develops. I think there's three things that develop your faithfulness. Number one, conflict. 
Conflict. You've got to have conflict in order to have faithfulness. It's not faithfulness if there's been no conflict. If there's no adversity, if there's no problems, what are you being faithful in? You're just doing your own thing. No, there comes conflict. Look at the conflict for a moment in verse 23. The archers. By the way, I find that to be interesting. It is in plural form. So we're not talking about the archer, the devil himself. Now that's going to come into play here. But it is the archers. By the way, archers. Look that word up in the Hebrew. You know what it has to do with? Scunny, scunny, cunning and, a, and skilled to put together. Scunning. Cunning and skilled. Cunning and skilled. You know what these archers are? These archers know how to shoot arrows. You're starting to learn about some archers in your life. Yeah, hey, listen, I'll say first of all, Satan, sure. And by the way, I think it's interesting it's in plural form. I don't know if the archer, Satan, has shot an arrow at you, but I guarantee you, he's had some of his, his minions doing it. And some have even been appointed to you and to this college, principalities. Those principalities know how to shoot arrows. They know how to shoot the arrow of discouragement, amen? You know, have you ever experienced that one? They know right where to, they know right where to, to, to shoot the arrow of fear in your life. But I'm going to tell you who else is a really good archer? Your flesh. Your flesh knows exactly where to shoot the arrows. Your flesh is your stinking enemy, college students. And your archer, that flesh, knows exactly where to pinpoint to bring you down spiritually. And then I tell you what, there are people. There's some students here that have been archers to you. They have shot arrows that have pierced you. There are people back home that will be an archer. Hey, it could be a sibling. Hey, I just got to tell you that, Sheller. I, man, right now, man, we got some problems. I got a brother, sister that is so far from God and they are so cantankerous. And man, I just got to tell you, I'm looking so forward to going home, but I got a sibling that's just, man, Archer is what she is. Archer is what he is doing right now to my family. He's shooting arrows. There's some people in your church. There's some old friends. Now you hear this. There's some old high school buddies that are archers to you. That when you get around them, you fall apart, man. You got I think, first of all, I think you got to identify your archers. Hey, by the way, he had some, didn't he? Potiphar's wife, she knew what she was doing. She knew where to shoot that arrow. I think his brethren, they knew how to shoot the arrows that hurt, man. Throw them in a pit. The way that they talked about their brother, these were all archers. But listen, the archers have, by the way, you see, this isn't an interest, this is kind of an uncharacteristic metaphor that Jacob would give. I don't believe Joseph was ever in a battle. Joseph lived in a battle. And college student, you may not have on a uniform from the United States of America and military, but I'm telling you, you're going home to a battle. And you better understand that the archer is shooting arrows. Isn't that interesting? What an interesting metaphor to a guy who never fought a battle. But he fought those inward battles in his heart. And that's what you're going to fight. On your furlough, you are going to have archers shoot at you. And there's going to be conflict. But you've got to have that conflict. What, why do we have conflict? And by the way, Dr. Scheller, why, why do they have, why, why, is, why was Joseph so attacked? 
because of verse 22. You guys have heard this from many speakers, so this is just one more that you're going to hear it from. Fruitfulness in your spiritual life will always cause conflict. You will never produce fruit in your life that there will not be conflict because of that fruit. There will always be a conflict as long as you are fruitful. Because of verse 22, he had conflict. And you go home to be a blessing? You go, wow, Shetler preaches this little message at the end of the chapel, and I go like, yeah, I want to be a blessing when I get home. Man, have I had the conflict since I've been home. You cannot be fruitful without having conflict. It's absolutely a part of it. Who do we conflict with? Well, I think we kind of explained the archers, but then here goes. By the way, notice those guys. Whew. They, uh, they grieved him. They harassed him. They shot at him. They honed in on him, and they hated him. They hated him, man. They harassed him. They honed in on him, and they hated him. And there are archers. Your flesh hates what's going on in your life this past semester. Just hates it. Unfortunately, you got some friends back home who are going to harass you about your stand for Christ. Then, number two, what develops faithfulness? Number one, you got to have conflict. Number two, you got to have character. You got to have character. Now, listen to this. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. Look at verse 24. But his, and I better hear a loud one too, but his, everyone together. Oh. That was still not loud enough. But his, oh. but his bow. Now, let me tell you what his bow is. His bow is his character. How did he fight back? How did Joseph make it through life? Joseph had character, guys. Some of you are handicapped. You're not in a wheelchair. You don't have a prosthesis. But you're handicapped. And I'll tell you how you're handicapped. You're handicapped because of your character. You will never see what God wants to do in your life because you don't have the character to back up the dreams that God's given you. And can I share this with you? Dreams without character will produce nightmares. If you don't have character to back, some of you guys got big dreams of what God's going to do in your life. If you don't have the character to back up your dreams, it's going to be a nightmare. And you will regret your life and because some of you are handicapped because of your character or lack of it. One of the greatest preachers that's influenced my life is a man named Dr. Bill Rice III. He gives a definition of character that I want to give to you right now. I believe this is the greatest definition of character I've ever heard. He says this, character, the desire and ability to do what is right in spite of outward influence, inward yearning, and eventual, eventual outcome. Let me say that again. What is your character? It is the desire and the ability to do what is right in spite of outward influence, inward yearning, and eventual outcome. What does that mean, Dr. Shetler? It means I'm going to do right no matter what. I can be counted on to do what is right. That's character. It's consistent Christ-likeness. 
It's that you can be counted on to do what is right. I am going to tell you, Joseph was blessed by God and his dreams came true. The dreams that God gave him end up happening. Why? Because he had character. And in order to be faithful, you got to have conflict. But in order to be faithful, you got to have character. A.W. Tozer called character this, the excellence of the moral being. This is the best part of you, college student, is your character. And some of you are starting to develop it. Some of you are starting to do what's right, no matter the outward influence, no matter the inward yearning, and no matter the eventual outcome. Well, it didn't happen, but you know what? I'm going to be faithful. I got character. College students, the number one thing that you've got to have to have the blessing of Joseph, you've got to have that character. That character is so important. Now, Dr. Shetler, how did Joseph get the character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look back at verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bog. I need your help again. Even a fruitful bough, everyone together. Next three words. By the well. well. Here's where it starts, guys. You got to get to the well every day. Dr. Shelley, you you preached this yesterday. I I know, I know. And if they gave me a third day, I'd talk about the well again. Because I'm going to tell you why, college student. There isn't chapel at 1030 back in Pennsylvania. There's not Bible classes back in Texas at 730 in the morning. Amen. No, no. You know where I'm headed. Guys, you got to get your own chapel. You got to get your own Bible class. There is no way character will be built without getting to the well every day. Gang, take any part of my day away from me, but don't take my well time. Don't take my drinking time. I got to get water. I got to get water from the well. And it doesn't matter how old you are. I'm telling you, this man's got to get well water every day. You got to get to the well every day of your life. You got to get a drink. If you don't get a drink, whatever you got to do. And I will just tell you this. If you've never done the Proverbs thing before, read the Proverbs of the day. Do that for a year. So if you're a freshman, sophomore, that changed my life. Reading Proverbs every day. Man, put in whatever you got to do, but get to the well every day. That's going to develop character. Number three is comfort. In order to develop faithfulness, there's got to be conflict, there's got to be character, but there does have to be comfort. Don't you love verse 25? Okay, so we got him, he's got that strength of hands, and it, and it even says in there, uh, the mighty God of, of Jacob is going is to give you the strength. And look at verse 25, even by the God of thy father who shall help thee. Praise the Lord, you're not going home by yourself. There is going to be somebody else sitting in that plane seat with you. You say, oh, man, we're going to be really crumbed. Well, it's the Holy Spirit, so there's going to be plenty of room, okay? Gang, you got to get this, college students. There is, when we begin to have the conflict and we begin to show signs of character, then God comes along and brings us the comfort. And this is very interesting. The more we develop character the more the conflict comes, and the more God's grace comes. Um, I called Brother Sidlowski the other day. I think it was about three days ago, and, and she had not passed yet. I called him to be a blessing to him 
there was a college student, I think it was CJ, was in the, in the, in the remember that CJ? CJ was in the office with me, was talking to CJ, and I, and I, and, and, and you know, I got to tell you this, I should have said this, I, I, I wanted CJ to hear what Pastor Sidlowski was saying. I just was like, here, let me put this on a speakerphone. And so I put it on speakerphone, I, and I have to tell you, I didn't let Pastor Sidlowski know that, and I, that's really a bad thing, but I, but his, he was just talking about the grace of God on him. And just like, you know, Brother Shetler, God's grace, and God's grace is going to be good the day he di she dies. I know God's going to be with me and just going through all. And I'm thinking to myself, I called this man to encourage him. I started crying, man. I started, I was in tears because I'm going like, this guy has got the comfort of the Holy Spirit all over him. And I want to share this with you. When you start exercising that character, that's what you begin to get. You begin to get that grace. That grace becomes, it gets on you. And that comfort comes and that strength comes in your life. And did you notice, uh, and, and did you notice Joseph was never a victim. Joseph was always a victor. That strength came and it came from God. That's how you develop faithfulness. Conflict, character, and comfort. Then number three, and we're done, favored. He was favored. Look at this. Oh, I just love this at the end here where he talks about, where he talks about uh, God. He was, uh, look at verse 24. His hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God. There's his strength. From thence is the shepherd. There he is the shepherd. The stone of Israel. There he is the stone. Isn't that great? Strong God, a shepherd God, and a stone God. I, I, I thought about that. That I think the strong God is his omnipotence. I think the shepherd God is his wisdom, guiding us, protecting us. And then the stone God is his immutability. He said Joseph had the omnipotent, wise, immutable God that he could get his security from. And God gave him this favor. But let me tell you why, and I'm done. Look at verse 26 at the very end. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him. Why did he get all this favor? Why was Joseph favored? And here it is. Of him that was separate from his brethren. By the way, it doesn't even say the world. It says his brethren. Now you better not take this proudfully. And if you do, ooh, by God's mercy and by God's grace, you are a very selected group. You are a very chosen group. You are not in this worship center. First of all, you've been faithful enough to finish a semester. Look at the person next to you and say congratulations. You know what? Amen, right? To God be the glory. You're here right now. If you're in this auditorium right now, how many were here in September? Would you raise your hand? How many were here in September? If someone doesn't have their hand up, wake them up, okay? Okay? You were all here in September. How many are here on December uh, 5th? How many are here on December 5th? Yeah, some of you are still, I don't know where I'm at right now. I'm not, I, I, I just took your exam, man. I don't know where I'm at, man. I don't know where I'm at. Okay? Listen to me now, gang. This is so good. You have been selected by God for something special. He was separated from his brethren. Hey, there's some that you went to high school with, excuse the English, ain't doing so good right now. 
There's things going on in your church. You are selected. You are here by God's divine providence and blessing. And you're separate. So start acting separate. That doesn't mean you put your nose up in the air. Come on, we talked about how to be fruitful and get over the vine and let everyone you go to be a blessing, not to be blessed. But there should be a separation in your life. Now let me tell you two stories and I'm done. My freshman year was very, very difficult. I had the worst summer I'd ever had in the summer of 1975. I was farther away from the Lord, involved with things I should have never been involved in. I get to Bible college, and God starts getting a hold of my life. First thing, I got three haircuts in 24 hours. I had not seen my ears since I was fifth grade. I mean, my, my nickname, some of you have heard my testimony, my nickname for the first two weeks of college was albino ears. I had worked construction that summer, so I had a tan face, and from here back it was white. And they said, man, have you seen that guy, that albino ears guy, you know? And it was, I mean, I went through culture. I had never worn a tie in my entire life. Never had I put a tie on. I had a leisure suit, but I didn't have no tie, man. And I, I had every pair of pants I had had patch pockets. Bible college I went to, you couldn't have patch pockets. I had to tear off all my pockets, all my, off all my pants. They go, look at that guy's got weird pants, man. He didn't have pockets on it, you know. I had to borrow ties. I had, it, it, was, just, I, it was a culture shock for me. Hey, I'm going to tell you this. I read the rule book. It's so, it said no mixed swimming. I thought that meant was racist. I thought that was blacks and whites. <laughs> I did. I thought this place is racist. I had never heard, never in my life had I ever heard of no mixed swimming before. I'd never heard of that before in my entire life. It was an, I went through the handbook and it was a joke book to me. I mean, I, I, this is a joke. They told me what they, they said the lights out at 10.30. I said, that's the time I wake up, man. <laughs> I mean, this is not happening, you know. But God got a hold of my heart, and there was a change. So I go back to Traverse City, Michigan for Christmas. I've been away for four months. My hair is off my ears and off my collar. I get back, I get back, I think it's about the third day I'm back. Leland High School is having a basketball game. So I get on my snowmobile, I get my snowmobile outfit on, I get my snowmobile helmet on, and I, and I drive across the lake, Lake Leelanau, to Leland High School. And I arrive, and by the way, but I, I, I went to the coolest high school. You could, you could boat, you could water ski, you could ride a bike, you could, you, you, you could uh, ride a car, you could take a bus, you could swim if you wanted to. Uh, you could go right to our high school, it was right on the lake there, and, and, I, and we lived on the, on the same lake only a few miles away. So I drove my snowmobile that night over. And, you know, there was a little bit of like, oh, man, I'm back in my own high school, you know. I'd just gone through freshman, I, I'd just gone through my first freshman semester. And I get off the snowmobile, I take my helmet off, I leave it there on the snowmobile, and I go inside, I unzipper my snowmobile outfit, and people are coming into the game, and people see me, they have no idea who I am. They have no idea who I am. Now, I just graduated from that high school probably about seven months before and, uh, um, you know, whatever, and I've been gone for four months for college. I get out of my snowmobile outfit, and I, I, just, I just dropped it in, a, in like a locker, and I go into the gym. And the game had already started. I think it was the JV game. And the game had already started. And we had a little balcony in our gym. And I came in, and I just stood there. Nobody knew who I was. And I went, Wow. And I went upstairs in the balcony and I sat there and I watched the JV game. And about halftime of the JV game, a couple kids of upperclassmen now are looking down at me and they're talking. 
And I'm just sitting there going like, wow, I feel so out of place. I go, God, this is, this is not my school anymore. This isn't me. Finally, after a few moments, the three come up and they come over to me. And they sit down and they say, Shetler, Shetler, is that you? And I go, yeah. What in the world has happened to you, man? What's going on? You know, I, I remember I went to that Bible college. I went to that Christian college. Oh, yeah. Well, what's it been like? I got to tell you, it's been the best four months of my life, man. It's been great. And, 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 I started, and they were just like, okay, well, you going out smoking with us afterwards? We're going to get some drinks? No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, wow. You, you like religious now? Now, they really weren't being sarcastic. They go like, are you, 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 are you religious? Now, that's a shame and an indictment to me because they sure wouldn't have known I was a Christian when I was there. But I want to tell you something, students. I went home that night and I said, Leland High School is not what I am and it's not where I'm headed. I got a book that Christmas, Shadow of the Almighty by Jim Elliott. I devoured that book. I got a job as security in Traverse City. I never saw those kids again. And I will tell you, I made a decision that Christmas. This is not what I am, and this is not the direction I'm going. And God has blessed my life. And I will tell you, I think a big part of the blessing was the decision to separate from the world. College student, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to make a separation. You are not the same person that you were when you arrived here in September. God has done a work in your life. You stay away from the world. You stay away from the flesh because God's got great plans for you, man. And Joseph was so blessed because he was separated. This summer, you know, we always hear about some kind of stories like this, but I never like, well, I, never, I never meet those people. Well, I met one this summer. A youth pastor's wife with the youth pastor came to Joshua camps. I preached one night on victory, V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. After that message on victory, the youth pastor's wife and the youth pastor came up. Matter of fact, the youth pastor said to me, he said, hey, my wife and I would like to tell you her testimony and what's happened in her life. She graduated from an extremely fundamental Bible college that if I said right now, every one of us would know. I mean, very well. She graduated from a very extreme conservative Bible college. He said, hey, let me tell you about my wife. And she stepped in. She said, let me tell, let me tell Brother Shepard. For the next 15 minutes, she told me the most incredible story. While her husband, this is the woman now, while her husband was out being a youth pastor, and he had to get some things organized with his priorities, she's left home with the baby girl, and she starts getting online. She, start, she starts getting involved with pornography. She starts getting involved with lesbian pornography. She starts contacting some of these lesbians. She is hooked on lesbian pornography. Her husband gets on the computer, finds it, goes, what in the world is going on? What in the world has happened? Both attractive couple. 
And she continues to say, you know, well, she, she gets right with God, and, and, and it's an incredible story. She's with the, now this was a few years ago. She is now with her husband. They're back in ministry. They've been restored. So I said to her, hey, man, how did you do it? She gave me four steps of separation that she wrote on this sheet of paper. These were fabulous. She says, the, and she called it the four steps to freedom by separation. Isn't this good? Number one, tell somebody. James 5, 16, confess your sins. She said, until I could open up to my husband, my pastor, and another godly woman, she said, I had to tell someone. Confide in a spiritual mentor what's going on. Someone who will keep checking on you and most importantly, praying for you. Number two, kill temptation. Kill temptation. She put, down, she put down James 5, 16 on the first one. She put down Matthew 18, 8 and 9 for this one. Cut off anything or anyone that causes you to sin. Totally separate from it. Your freedom is worth it. Basically, she said, you're not going to be free until you learn how to separate. Fill up on God. Galatians 5, 16, Matthew 5, 6. Fill up on God. You cannot defeat sin in your own power. You know what I would call that for this message? Go to the, go to the well. Fill up on God. Go to the well. Be desperate for God. Read your Bible. Soak it up and pray on purpose every day. Number four, resist, resist, resist. James 4, 7. And then she writes, underline, immediately. I call that the four-second rule, by the way, for some of you that know it. As soon as the thought of sin enters your mind or heart, immediately beg God to cleanse you from it, to replace the evil with good, to help you. And then she wrote down, he will. And then she wrote a little, she drew a little thing, a key, and she wrote down, the key is humility. And I think that, I thought that was really good. I was just at a youth conference up in the Northwest. She was there, and he was there. They came up to me, because I asked her, can I use this? She said, by all means. She said to me at the youth conference up in uh, Portland, she said, hey, have you used my thing yet? No, but I'm going to preach. I got back from that, and Dr. Getch asked me to speak two days in chapel. I'm going to tell you, this was a youth pastor's wife that was involved with that kind of pornography who today is seeing the blessing of God in her life and in her marriage. And she's got two beautiful little children. Now, first of all, that tells us this. We could all fall. Amen. So, gang, I got to tell you, he was fruitful. He was faithful. And he was favored. I think this college has a lot of blessings. But I do think one of the blessings of this college is the administration that the Lord has allowed us to have. So I'm going to ask something. I believe Jacob prayed a prayer of blessing. So I'm going to ask Dr. R and Brother Shepherd and Dr. Getch to pray a blessing on all of you for these holidays. So I'm going to ask them to come on up here right now. Dr. Getch, you come. I'd like to have you close us, actually, Dr. Getch. Brother Shepard, if you'd lead us, then Dr. R, and then Dr. Getch. And you know what? 
If you want to get down on your knees at where you are, we're praying a blessing over you that you would be fruitful, that you would be faithful, and that you would be favored. And that's what we're praying right now. I'm not, we're not your Jacob, okay? We're not your Abba. But I do believe that we are authorities in your life. We're not your pastor. But I do believe that we can pray a blessing upon you, that God will hear our blessing. If you want to be favored by God, would you join us in the prayer? Brother Shepherd, why don't you lead? And then Dr. R and then Dr. Getch, would you close us? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, so much for the message today. Lord, how it has touched our hearts. And Father, as Dr. Shetler has been preaching, Father, we do ask as these college students go home, yeah. and Savior, you would bless them. Amen. Many are struggling right now and have a lot on their minds, a lot of studying taking place. And Father, there are some in this room, even this morning, that are contemplating, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do next semester? Father, I ask, Lord, that you would make it clear to them that, Father, as they go home, they would guard their, their heart, their minds. Amen. Father, that they would put you first through this Christmas season. I ask, Savior, that you would bring them back safely. Father, I ask, Lord, that over this break, Lord, it would be a break that they need. Father, not a break from you, not a break from their devotions, not a break from church or soul winning, but, Father, just give them the rest that they need. Father, bless them. We love you, Savior. In your son's holy and precious name I pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for what we've heard today. And Lord, I do pray that you'll hedge about each student here, each faculty member, each member of the administration with your strength and your help. We know that when the hedge is broken down, the serpent comes in. We know that temptations will arise when folks go back home and see old friends like Brother Shetler did, like I did, I'm sure Dr. Getch did, and me, Brother Shepherd. And Lord, I pray that they will make the right choice, take the right path. We know that choice will make all the difference in their life. I pray, Lord, that you will use them. I pray that they will go home and be a blessing. I pray there will be an encouragement to their church, to their family, to uh, teachers and pastors and youth pastors. Amen. But Lord, I pray that it will be a time where they might draw closer to you. Amen. Chapel won't be there, but they'll have some time, time for reading, time for prayer, time to further equip themselves for the work of the ministry. And Lord, we were reminded so clearly just a few weeks ago when over 60 pastors came here to recruit workers that the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Amen. I pray, Lord Jesus, that each student will remember that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Amen. And if you called them at a youth conference or a camp or a church service or revival, that you haven't changed your mind. And I pray that they'll be faithful to your calling on their life. I pray you'll bless them. Yes. And I pray you use them. I pray you keep them safe physically and spiritually. And bring them back safely in time for the winter revival in the second semester. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Lord, would you first cause us to ask for forgiveness. For Lord, you cannot put your
pure hand of power upon a polluted vessel. Lord, I do believe that each of us in this room desire to be that fruitful bough. We desire to make a difference. We desire to do something in this world that would be eternal. But Lord, I believe all of us also recognize we can't do it ourselves. We have to have you. And so, Lord, first of all, may we ask for your forgiveness, whatever you would bring to our mind, even this very moment. And then, Lord, as you forgive and forget, may we put distance, as has been preached today, between what has caused us to stumble and the strength of your power in our life. I pray, Lord, that we determine even right now, as our heads are bowed, maybe our knee bent, our heart humbled before you, that we're not going back to the same old way. But we are going to separate. And Lord, then, as we make these decisions, would you favor us? Would you pour out your blessing upon these students? Lord, I think of many that have received answers to prayer even this week. Lord, you want to favor them. You want to bless them. You long to use them. And so, God, help them to, to bask in that opportunity that's before them. Amen. And Lord, I pray this would be, as Dr. Shetler has preached, a productive furlough. May, Lord, we come back uh, excited about what you will continue to do. And for those who are finished and graduated and moving forward, Lord, make them fruitful. Favor their life and ministry, their marriage. Amen. Use them, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.